Hello, Ethics and Etiquette listeners. This is your host, Marna Ashburn. The podcast you're about to listen to was recorded on January 21st. The headline in the news on February 2nd, yesterday, is that Jeff Bezos is stepping down from his post at Amazon. This is from the 1440 Digest, a daily curated news source of headlines, and it provides some good background for our podcast today. When I ask Kelly and Mike if I should break up with Amazon... Quoting from 1440 Digest here, Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos said he will step down from his position during the third quarter of the year, transitioning to executive chairman while current cloud computing head Andy Jassy steps into the chief executive role. The decision comes almost 20 years after Bezos founded Amazon in Bellevue, Washington as an online book retailer during the nascent years of e-commerce. The company has since grown into a multinational behemoth known for disrupting industries via technological advantage and scale. The world's largest Internet company, Amazon, is one of the biggest U.S. companies by market capitalization, $1.7 trillion, and is the country's second largest private employer. The journey also made Bezos the country's richest person, currently edging out Elon Musk, with a net worth exceeding $180 billion. In an email to employees, Bezos said he would focus on his Day One Fund, the Bezos Earth Fund, Blue Origin, and the Washington Post. Thank you, 1440 Digest, for that background, and now let's move on to the podcast. This is Ethics and Etiquette, a thought-provoking dialogue about everyday dilemmas. I'm here with wife, mother, and attorney, Kelly Halligan-Zimmerman. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Marna. Happy New Year, everybody. And Mike Derrick, a retired Army officer, combat vet, and father of four. Good morning, Mike. Hey, good morning, Marna, and good morning, Kelly. Ethics and Etiquette offers insight and perspectives on sticky situations, which will help you examine your choices and exercise your own ethical muscles. Today is the day after inauguration, just by way of letting you know the time situation, and we are all kind of zonked by the events of the past week. I have been a member of Amazon Prime for years. I shop there quite often, especially during COVID, even for little things like lipsticks. I'll order them, my books and things. I'm on Amazon Prime Video a lot, but I am seriously considering quitting Amazon, and the reason is because they kicked Parler off their web server. Now, Parler is an alternative to Twitter. I'm not on Parler, but last weekend after the riots in the Capitol, Google and Apple discontinued having the Parler app in their store. And then right after that, Parler was kicked off Amazon web servers. It's not on the internet anymore, although they're trying to bring it back. I had already downloaded the app, so that didn't worry me. And I did want to go on an alternative to Twitter. I'm not even on Twitter, but I'm really opposed to any kind of censorship except for stuff really inciting violence. And by the way, there is plenty of stuff inciting violence on Twitter. There are hashtags like kill Trump. This is from the New York Post. The Ayatollah Khomeini has Twitter handle and is writing that he wishes Israel would get wiped off the face of the earth. B1G Bud Twitter says, I hope the Trumpers out there all die of COVID. That's still up. And somebody else says, someone take this clown out now talking about Donald Trump, hashtag assassinate Trump. So this stuff is out there, too, and it's not being taken down. So there are the First Amendment considerations that worry me. And so I want to ask my podcast team their advice. Uh, When I tell them I think I'm going to get rid of Amazon, what do you think I should do? Do you recommend I don't, or do you have some questions for me? 
Mike. So, Marna, you expect a yes or no answer on this one? No, Is no, no, I'm no. Hearing? I expect some <laughs> probing questions from you. And it doesn't have to be just related to free speech either, Mike. In the past, on some of our shows, you have talked about using the brick-and-mortar stores, yeah, trying to maintain yeah. the small mm-hmm. businesses and things right. in your local city, town. And I believe I, I want to start doing that. Yeah. as well. And I know there's a consortium of independent bookstores where you can order any book you want from these consortium. Right. Can oh. I live without Amazon Prime though? That's the oh. question. So can you live without it? Absolutely you can live without it. I mean, what do we do before it? You know, we life seemed to be pretty good. Some would think maybe life was a little better, a little less frenetic and harried and crazy. Wow. So yeah, you've really opened a can of worms here, Marna. I don't even know where to start. So, so let me tell you what somebody said to me. When I told her I was thinking about quitting, she said, I love Amazon Prime. Their return policy and the free shipping is just too good to pass up. I can't quit Amazon. That's a big thing. (laughs) Oh, it's, yeah. They have gone to where we are vulnerable. So we're vulnerable in terms of our time and our effort. And they have addressed those two concerns. So they make it super efficient. You know, within a couple of clicks, you, you have literally the commercial world at your fingertips. You can find the most obscure things in the world. I'm sitting here in my basement recording studio looking across the room at my 1965 vintage Electrolux vacuum cleaner, okay? And the other day, it, it something broke. So I jumped on Amazon, and I went out and searched for the parts, and sure enough, now it took me to somebody's vacuum repair place, but I never would have found that easily without that service. Did you buy it through Amazon or did you buy it through the vacuum oh, I think, player place? I, you know, I'm, I'm on Amazon Prime too. So, I mean, again, it, it's the convenience. I went through Amazon. Um, mm-hmm. Now, you know, it'd be really interesting to find out, like, how they treat that vendor. So there's some vacuum shop out there that has an arrangement with Amazon. What did they make on the transaction? What kind of cut did Amazon get? Would they have ever gotten my sale in the first place had it not been for Amazon directing me to them? These are things I... I just don't have the time or, frankly, the interest to to unpack all that. I'm sure somebody has. I just got a ribbon for my 1941 Royal Manual Typewriter on Amazon. So, (laughs) And you're not going to find that locally. So I am very committed to our local stores and stuff. But, you know, they're pretty limited, uh, at least where I live. You know, you guys are in major metropolitan areas. I'm not. So for the things I know I use and I need that are available locally, I default to that if I'm able. I tell you, though, COVID has changed things. You know, we don't go out. Having it delivered to your door in this, at this time in our, in our lives, that's pretty powerful. Yeah, that's um, a big thing. Same thing with the content on Amazon, the, the streaming options. I mean, they have some very interesting, compelling things to watch. I mean, just amazing that I didn't even know were out there until I had a lot more time on my hands because of this pandemic. Back to your question, Marna. Sometimes it's a trade-off between convenience and community. Your community will, will suffer if you exercise the convenience of Amazon all the time. Your local shops will close up and go away. Yes. As I've been considering this, I have realized that on my way to work each day, I pass a small strip mall, which has stores which would provide almost anything I need. There's a grocery store, there's a hardware store, there's a drug store. I can just get that stuff coming and going from work for the most part. And also I think I can order stuff through Ace and have it delivered to their store. Mm -hmm. And there's no shipping. So there are alternatives. 
As far as the streaming goes, there's Netflix, and my library also has a streaming service, which offers like classic movies and independent mm-hmm. films yeah. and foreign yeah. films and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, you can work your way around it, but boy, have they made it convenient and easy. But I really, really identify and understand with your desire to to set this aside because I have I, I've dabbled in history over time, and you know how will we look back on this period? A hundred years from now, um, will Amazon and everything like Amazon have been a net plus or a net negative? Good question. Let's project ourselves out a hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's where we need Kelly. <laughs> Kelly, what are your thoughts? I agree with a lot of things that Mike said. Going back to Parlor, which I really think is a minefield, <laughs> I don't think that's the issue. At least it's not for me. The First Amendment applies to government restrictions on speech. And, and it wouldn't apply to a business, you know, Twitter, Parler, Amazon, Facebook, they can control their platforms in the way or ways that they deem appropriate. You know, the First Amendment, it really applies to, to what the government does. So I don't see that as being an issue. And also, these platforms do have to be mindful of possible liability as a consequence of what they permit on their platforms. So I would mention those things. So that's not an issue for me. Can I interrupt you there? Because I keep hearing about the Section 230, Protection for Private Blocking and Screening of Offensive Material. Right. But I still think that there are concerns with liability. So I and and I know that that is something that is still there and is still in effect. So I I think there's some consideration of of removing it. But I, I still think that that's a concern. But regardless, these businesses can run their platforms and the things that they're responsible for in the way or ways that they want. There's nothing wrong with that from a legal perspective. There just isn't. And Amazon and Jeff Bezos, you know, the businesses are so massive. And there's so many entities. There's so much out there. You know, I kind of look at each thing as a, as a discrete entity. You know, he's he's got Amazon Prime. He has Whole Foods. He's got the Washington Post. He, I didn't even realize. I didn't know about Parler until all this happened. But should you leave Amazon? I would consider leaving Amazon because of unfair practices, perhaps unfair and illegal monopoly type behavior. And I think there's a real strong argument that that's what's going on with Amazon. And I think that's something that that Congress is going to pursue. And I see that as a real issue for Amazon. Now, when you're you're the government and you're fighting a a business that's worth north of a trillion dollars, you know, like $1.6 trillion, it's kind of... That's a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah, it's really tough. I don't know if either of you or any of our listeners saw the article in the Wall Street Journal at the end of December. It came out on December 22nd, and it was entitled, How Amazon Wins by Steamrolling Rivals and Partners. CEO Jeff Bezos still runs the e-commerce giant with the drive of a startup trying to survive, and that strand of its corporate DNA is becoming a liability. And the article was just fascinating and disturbing. It went through specific examples of how Amazon competes, and I say competes in quotes, and they gave a number of examples of companies that Amazon targeted 
basically to compete with and take their business. They were actually targeted. That's certainly the impression you had from the article. They gave an example of a a company, a small company called Pirate Trading that was selling camera tripods. And apparently one of the tripods was a big seller. The company um, was selling more than like $3.5 million a year of a particular tripod. It was one of their best-selling products on Amazon. And Amazon decided to compete and basically created the same tripod using the same manufacturer, and it left the business in, in very bad shape. And one of the things they did was Amazon is they suspended pirate trading on their platform and said, and, and this happened repeatedly according to the article, and they require when they suspend you, they require that the vendor produce certain information proving the authenticity of its product. You know, when they suspend, they allege, hey, these tripods aren't authentic. Show us proof. And so then the company produces information about their manufacturer, invoices, etc. And then the article implies that they take that information, they use the same manufacturer, and they create their own version, often almost identical. Oh, you're kidding. Sneaky, sneaky. Right, and they they gave several examples of that. They gave an example of a company that was called Quidsy, and it was the parent company of Diapers.com. And apparently Diapers.com had a very loyal group of customers. They were extremely speedy in delivering the diapers. The pricing was very competitive, and Amazon decided that they wanted to compete with them. And they had things, I guess, you know, Wall Street Journal got emails, you know, beatermeatdiapers.com, 6 p.m. order, time cut off was an internal email they produced. We need to match pricing on these guys no matter what the cost. And so they were able, in the end, when diapers.com did an analysis, Amazon was selling diapers for like a $7 loss, at least, per pack. Is that legal? Well, I don't think it is. I I think it's a violation of of the Sherman Act. So they drove them out of business. Basically, what happened then was an employee of Amazon contacted a board member of Quidsy, the parent company, and said, hey, why don't you just let us buy you? And so they, they basically get these companies, you know, kind of into a difficult situation by competing with them, and then they acquire them. It was very interesting. There were a number of other examples. And in only one case did anybody kind of stand up to Amazon. Most of the time, Amazon just does what they want. And these companies either lose profits significantly, are driven out of business, or they sell to Amazon. The example they had was West Elm, which I guess is owned by William Sonoma. I love that store. Yeah, they had this really cool chair. I'm just going to call it a chair because I don't remember the details. But it was very unique. They had gotten a patent on it, and it was a big seller, and Amazon copied it. They filed suit against Amazon for patent infringement, and Amazon settled. Amazon settled, and it was apparently favorable to West Elm. But again, they had them dead to rights, and they were one of the few people who kind of went after them. Wow. Uh, but mo- most of these companies just are... They just don't have the means to, to fight Amazon. Amazon exactly. can just keep deploying resources. and Exactly. Uh, and obviously, they're pretty good at this, so they're probably pretty practiced, and they know where that line is or where it has been in the past, and they can walk right up to the edge and... Right. And and they they even, you know, in this case, it was clearly patent infringement and they were willing to take that risk. And they thought, well, if they sue us, we'll manage it. We'll manage that risk. And they did. They just took it off their site. They settled. They probably paid something, but that's the cost of doing business. Anyways, I really would suggest 
that folks read the article because I was stunned. I'm shocked. This is a very shady side of Amazon, and we will post a link to that article on our show notes. Yeah, now one of the things that Amazon said in fairness to them was, you know, look, we're offering products inspired by trends to which customers are responding. This is a common practice across the retail industry. You know, they're basically saying we're all about beginning to your question (laughs) and back to where kind of Mike was was talking or what Mike was speaking about. Should you leave Amazon? And, And I agree with Mike. It's really tough. It's tough. We're prime members. What we've done really just since the article came out, my husband and I really looked at the way Amazon does business. We've kind of started to try to buy directly. We buy a a particular coffee that we love and we've we've actually, my husband found another site that sells it. So we're working through that site. Every month we get these teas, buy teas. They're, They're wonderful and they're very healthy. It's like 10 calories for a big bottle of tea. And Mark told me last night that he canceled that order and he's going to look to get it in another way. And one of the reasons wasn't only lack of ethics in how Amazon runs its platform and its site, but whenever we got the teas, they were like terribly packaged. The box was like all bent up. It was just a mess. And it was like (laughs) that every month. There's a couple other things we've done, but I don't know that I'll ever totally go off it. For the reasons that you guys talked about, like you can quickly find these unusual things like for your vacuum cleaner or your typewriter. And it's just so convenient. Like you get stuff the next day if you really need a particular item. And and with COVID, you don't want to go out, you know, and I love that I could ship a gift to somebody. Often they'll get it the next day if I'm not on the ball, which is frequently the case. So, <laughs> What about this? Is this ethical? Use Amazon for a search engine, find what you need, and then go to the company itself and order it. Oh, you bet it is. And they use their search engine against their vendors and, and their customers. I mean, that's, that's a really powerful tool because they save all that data and they can tell what people are interested in and how to direct their searches. Um, the article talks about that as well. Right. Yeah. yeah. I see no issue with, to me, that's just shopping. That's like, if I want to buy a book, I might price it on Amazon, price it at Barnes and Noble, Mm -hmm. price Mm -hmm. it at my local bookstore and make a decision. See, but all that takes time, Kelly. And you're the one that still has a full-time job. That's the most valuable thing in life. You know, really when it comes down to it, it's time because you can never get it back. That's right. You can get money back. You can get all sorts of things back. But time... It is your non-renewable resource. Yep, absolutely. So what concessions are we willing to make in terms of convenience and time to give up Amazon? Am I willing to? My life is a lot simpler than Kelly's. I don't have kids at home anymore, and I don't have a full-time job. But Mm -hmm. obviously it would be more inconvenient for me not to have Amazon. We also order quite a bit of stuff at work through Amazon. Right. Yeah. You know, at work, that's a business that, you know, your boss has got to make money. And, and running a business is about profit and, and obviously quality and service. So he, he may feel confined, which I would totally understand. But for us, we can start to move away from Amazon in a lot of ways and and reach out directly to the vendors or providers that we like. But in some limited cases, we're going to have to still, and I say have to, and that's really not true, but (laughs) we're still going to work with them. And, and I view Amazon as Amazon shopping as one thing. I That would not impact my decision with Amazon Prime, at least right now. They would have to just do something horrific for me to completely 
walk away. And I, you know, Whole Foods is a store that we like to shop at. And but I go into Whole Foods. I that's a spectacle. That's the circus. I love Whole Foods. Do you really? <laughs> I, I love going in there. It's just such a sensory experience. <laughs> and just yeah. to circle back to our topic, I did not even know that Amazon had web servers until this parlor incident happened. Mm-hmm. And, and apparently this is their cash cow leasing space on their web servers, which is one of the reasons that they can offer so many good deals on shopping and shipping and stuff like that because the web servers are paying the bills. Yeah, right. they are super competitive. They're one of the top providers, you know, of cloud services and server, uh, you know, in the world. They're in everything. When it comes to delivery, they're doing it themselves. They're not using FedEx and UPS anymore. They have their own planes. They have their own fans. They have their own, they're doing it from start to finish. Yes, I just read there's Amazon Air. They just bought a bunch of planes. Yep. They're competing on every level. Amazon always is one step ahead in almost every industry that you can think of. If they want to get involved, they're right there. As you guys talk about this, I'm thinking back to the way we used to talk about Walmart here in rural America. And, you know, when a Walmart came to your county, you knew that your downtown was going to die. Yeah, the Walmartization of small-town America. That's what it was called. And some towns actively fought it, and others said, no, wouldn't it be nice if we had a place where we could buy things quickly and cheaply and not have to go from shop to shop to shop? And a lot of towns went for that, counties, whatever, rural areas, for whatever reason. And then five, seven, ten years later, their downtown is a bunch of empty storefronts. I would say, you know, maybe that was a conversation 20 years ago, at least where I am. And uh, here we are with Amazon now. And I just wonder, what's the next set of casualties going to be for our communities and for our, our lives? Because if we only can go online to buy things at Amazon and have it delivered to our door, and we don't have options out and about in our towns and our communities, then, you know, we've really lost some. The only thing Amazon won't be able to do is cut our hair, uh, (laughs) serve us food, although they're getting pretty close on the serving food thing. Yeah, they really, I mean, they are with Whole Foods. But if you appreciate a restaurant experience, which, oh, by the way, we're in a pandemic, so, you know, everything, (laughs) everything kind of gets twisted here. So we should all be questioning our dependency on Amazon right now. Yeah, yeah. Tell you, you guys have made me think. This has been very good for me because Kathy is, I wish maybe we should get her on here as a guest appearance because she's virulently anti-Amazon. I must admit I'm the one that got Amazon Prime. So... What makes her so virulent about it? I think a lot of the things we've talked about this morning, Mm -hmm. you know, just the fact that they're so big, they're so powerful, they shape markets, they crush competition, and then they give you this rapid, inexpensive, super customer-friendly experience. So they hit you where you're weak, and again, we don't know the downside to this yet. Well, we're beginning to see. We're beginning to see pieces and parts of it, but we we don't know what this is going to do to us over a decade or two or three. And they do make it all about the customer, and you know, that is their reason for behaving like they behave, and that's their justification. And, And there is something to be said for that, but obviously the danger with dominance in a market and excluding competition is ultimately there's nobody left and they can do what they want. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And then the prices go up. And then you've got a Black Mirror episode. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Black Mirror. I guess I need to watch that, although it'll probably set me off, so I probably shouldn't. I'm surprised your kids haven't gotten you to watch it. That's how I started. Well, I, I didn't watch very many. I think we watched 
two in a row, and I said, shut that thing off. I cannot take another episode. This is too disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my kids know I'm a Luddite, so I, a Luddite. they may have j- decided not to expose me to that. So. <laughs> another thing I wanted to mention as we examine our dependency on Amazon, you know, they have the means in the human behavior research and the algorithms. They've almost got us looped into an addictive response as far as immediate gratification on Amazon. That's kind of creepy. Yeah. It's, uh, again, we've talked about this multiple times in our podcast, and I'm sure our listeners can identify with this, with this, but if you put it out online, whether it's your shopping habits or your innermost thoughts or your pictures, just count on it coming back around at some point. You need to know that going in. Those are the rules of engagement. You put it out there, whether it's the type of shampoo you like or other things, and folks, it, it's known now. It's cataloged. It's noted, and we just need to understand that. Yeah, data mining is a big thing. It almost seems now that they've mind-melded onto my brain. Before I've even done a Google search or something, like I'll say in my mind, who was that actress who played in such and such, or what was the name of that book? And then the next day it'll show up on my stream. Well, Arna, that's a little weird. That is weird. I know. Did you tap any keys or did you just think these thoughts? I just thought it. Oh, Marna. (laughs) I didn't search it or anything. It's like they've embedded a chip chip in my brain. What's going on here? I don't don't like this. I think the bottom line is when it comes to getting out on the Internet or... (laughs) doing things electronically, it's buyer beware. It's the Wild West, and we all have to understand and appreciate that we're taking risks and, you know, that we're being tracked. Companies and individuals and hackers are going to be looking to access Mm-hmm. our information. Well, right. even when you go to a grocery store, you know, they have these buyer's club key cards that you got to swipe when you check out, get your discounts. That's data mining, too. They're cataloging what you yeah, buy, how right, frequent. Right. And I don't know what they're doing with that information. Are they selling it? For sure, they're using it to send you coupons. And even while you're right there at the register, it'll print out coupons. And a lot of times that's based upon your purchases. Keep thinking that. <laughs> Helps me yeah. sleep at night. And then there was the story of the father who found out his daughter was pregnant because she bought pregnancy tests at the drugstore, and then he started getting coupons for baby diapers oh, <laughs> through his account. She bought a pregnancy test and must have used her CVS card or whatever. A couple years ago, you know, the Ashley Madison hack, that was yeah. the website for married folks to, to hook up with other married folks. You know, all that got put out and... Everybody saw who was on it, and too bad. Yeah, there you go. Oh, golly. So, I know, this is a, very, a rough very, one. It, disturbing. It is, it is, it is disturbing. It, it just kind of, uh, you know, I was thinking the other day, I went into um, Staples because, you know, although Staples, the prices are incredibly high, you can find things that you really need quickly that are sort of obscure, <laughs> like certain cartridges for certain pens. I always go to Staples to get those. And guy at the desk, really nice young man, he tried to get me to to get the Staples credit card. And, you know, he came back at it a couple times in a very nice and respectful way. But he said, you know, if you if you get this card, you could save $12 today. I am so beyond that. I have my little systems. I have my credit right. card. I don't want anybody else's credit card. I don't want any um, more credit cards. And I... I don't want to be in your email. I never have a receipt emailed to me at a store now. I only take it in paper because I don't want them to have my email. Then I'll be bombarded with very cool coupons on things I just bought last week. Yeah. So are we adding to your stomach churning? 
It is disturbing, the digital surveillance that's going on. Right. Yes, Marna. To your question, it does. It adds to my stomach churn. I'm sorry. And um, (laughs) that's okay. That's okay. I I probably need it. But I also will tell you that it also forces me or inspires me to commit to, instead of being driven by outside forces such as Amazon or social media, which I do very little of, I just am trying more and more to choose very carefully what I want to do, how I want to spend my time, Kelly, because we talked about time a moment ago, and not let other forces drive my decisions. Absolutely. A lot of mindfulness, a lot of intentionality. Yeah. Yeah. Going into your decisions every day. And I really appreciate your input here in helping me make this decision. So did we I, answer your question, Marna? I, th- I think I know what I'm going to do. I, I was can really you, hooked on the convenience. Can you put a bow on it for us? Tell us what you're going to do. I'm going to leave Amazon. Oh, wow. Okay. I am Amazon Prime. I okay. will stream on other streaming channels. I found a list online for people who are leaving Amazon, what they can do. One thing that you can do is use eBay and Etsy if you want to buy online. Like I mentioned, that independent bookstore consortium. I'll try to find that link and I'll post it on our show notes. Mike, you've mentioned this before, buy from local farms. Yeah. You can get produce from the farmer's market, get more involved face-to-face in your community. Those are a few ideas on how I can break my dependence on Amazon. I, and like I said, I'm just going to go drop by the strip mall more often, <laughs> Ace and the grocery store, the drugstore. Yeah. Help out my local economy. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I also think there's always bargaining. I know we're reluctant to do that, but sometimes if you do see something, if you're doing some price comparisons that's significantly cheaper on Amazon, you could always bring it to your local, you know, business's attention and see if they might, you know, meet you halfway or work with you in some way. Yeah. Right. You know, understanding, of course, that the local businesses don't have the means and resources that Amazon has from their web servers and things like that. Right. But everybody has to kind of look out for themselves and they don't want to make a ridiculous purchase if it's such a price difference. So it doesn't seem unreasonable to give them the opportunity to win your business in some way. Yeah. Yeah. And they might say, I don't know how Amazon can sell it for that price. That's $7 (laughs) below wholesale or whatever. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, that could happen. (laughs) We were going to move on to the um, hacker exposing 99% of the parlor messages, but I think we'll save that for another show. Okay. Gosh, Digital dragnets. Talk about this again. Digital <laughs> footprints. You know, oh, I'm going to give you time to recover, right. Mike. Can't we talk about like setting tables or you know what <laughs> what order to serve food in? Or... Which fork to use? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your homework is to watch a couple episodes of Black Mirror. Oh no, 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 no! <laughs> I am not polluting my brain with that. <laughs> Your stomach churning. You can't sleep. Scary stuff. I'd love to hear some of our listeners' experiences with Amazon, if they've had any unique experiences or have seen what we're describing, Mm -hmm. you know, in their interactions with Amazon. I'd love to hear it, too. Either of you have anything else? I'm exhausted. (laughs) Yeah, I don't. (laughs) Then that's going to be it for us this week. Hey, let's keep this conversation going. Leave us an email or a voicemail at our website, www.ethicsandetiquette.com, and you can check out our Instagram, at ethicsetiquette, and our Facebook page, Ethics and Etiquette. If you want to support what we're doing, subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And we'd appreciate if you took the time to leave a positive review while you're there. And thank you to all of you who keep recommending Ethics and Etiquette to your friends and family. For Kelly Halligan Zimmerman and Mike Derrick, I'm Marna Ashburn, and this is Ethics and Etiquette 
a thought-provoking dialogue about everyday dilemmas. It's good to be with you, and please join us again. New episodes are posted the first and third Wednesday of every month. See you then.